CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. After 80 plus meetings and going above and beyond to address the CTU leadership's various issues and concerns, we are out of runway. This Ben Jarofsky Show, Benny J. Bonus Interview is brought to you in part by SEIU Healthcare, Illinois, Indiana, the Chicago Federation of Labor, and the Chicago Reader. Benny J., take it away. Bonus time on the Ben Jarofsky Show. As I speak, it's Thursday, February 4th, 2021. That uh, voice at the outset. Uh, Dennis loves that one. That was uh, Mayor Lori Lightford from today's press conference. Uh telling teachers get back in that petri dish right now <laughs> she's tough on those teachers mayor Lori life anyway we're not going to be discussing mayor Lori lightfoot uh or uh, the school situation uh on today's uh show uh instead we'll have well i won't give it away right now but i'll just read a headline that's on the front page of my beloved bright one the chicago sometimes home delivered as always uh to give you an indication of what's going on in the world uh, on this day, February 4th. So here's the headline from today's Chicago Sun-Times. Obama Center set to finally break ground in the early fall. And that is apropos for the conversation I'm about to have. Without further ado, I will now ask my distinguished guest to introduce herself, as I always do a bonus interview. So distinguished guest, introduce yourself. Hey, everybody. This is Juanita Irizarry. I am the executive director of Friends of the Parks here in Chicago. But as I always say, uh, the things I say here are not necessarily representative of the organization, although there are often blurry lines, I will say. But uh, we will we'll work on both sides of that line a little bit today, Ben. And let me just say this. I always add this. Hey, guys, give her a break. She's got First Amendment rights like all the rest of you, okay? So if she says something and somebody at the Friends of the Park goes, they don't like it, no, no. Give her a break, okay? <laughs> all right, I just had to say that, Juanita. All right. Uh, looking out for you as always. All right, uh, Juanita, so much to discuss on the local and the national scene. We're going to get to some AOC talk. Uh, I love AOC. Everybody knows that. I'm just really curious what Juanita has to say as I speak. Uh, Alexander Ocasio-Cortez is under siege from Republicans who are doing everything they can to discredit her, try to divert attention from the insurgency, from a bunch of those MAGA hat wearers storming the Capitol. Uh, really a despicable move by Republicans to go after AOC. But before we get to that, let's talk some local issues, some environmental issues. We'll start with the Obama Center. Uh, talk a little bit about what they mean when they say the Obama Center set to finally break ground in early uh, fall. Many of our listeners may not be aware of, believe it or not, of what the Obama Center is and where, where it's going to go and why it's a controversial project. Take it away, Juanita. Yeah, thanks, Ben, and, and thanks for this opportunity to kind of talk at length. I always am a little bit nervous about saying anything about the Obama Center because a lot of times the reporters will just want to put in a one-line sentence about our position, and it's such a complicated issue, so I appreciate uh, the chance to talk 
at length about it. Um, you know, it's been almost maybe five years or so now, uh, four or five years that we heard that the Obama Foundation had chosen Chicago for the location of the Obama Presidential Center, but then it took a little longer for them to say where in Chicago. Um, and then, you know, we heard Southside and specifically in Jackson Park. Um, there were a lot of folks, including friends of the parks, that were super excited to welcome it to Chicago. Um, I know you wanted it somewhere other than the South Side. Um, I think friends of the parks is really super happy to have it be on the South Side, in you know where Obama came from. Um, but was really not happy that it was physically in a park. We had really advocated it to for it to be across the street from Washington Park, which um, there was a site there with 11 acres of vacant land immediately across the street from Washington uh, Park. And so we thought that would be a great way to use up vacant land that could still be an improvement in many ways to Washington Park as an extension of it with some additional green space going in on that campus. And that it would be actually more of an economic boon to the South Side being um, there at the West End of, of the Midway and Washington Park um, rather than in Hyde Park. So that's just the first little beginnings of it. And I could just keep on going as long as you let me keep talking. Well, let me, uh, uh, for what it's worth, and I'm not sure anybody really cares what my position on all this is, but since you re made reference to it, I was for, when the first idea was trotted out, there was a whole dog and pony show that we, they love to do in the city of Chicago. And this is me speaking, not Juanita. So if friends in the park people get mad, it's me. Get mad at me, not her. So I never believe any of these dog and pony shows. I believe they have a site in mind before they begin the dog and pony show, but they do the dog and pony show to say, oh, wow, well, listen to that absolutely everybody <laughs> this is what we decided so i you know took the bait and i said well if you're going to put the obama center somewhere put it in uh, first of all vacant land that's unused uh that could put that land to good use and really help a neighborhood that really could use a, a jolt how about putting it on the west side there's a huge abandoned lot on the west side of course everybody laughed at me they said obama's not from the west side he's from the south side at which point i pointed out he's not from the south side either from Hawaii. He moved to the city of Chicago in the 80s. Uh, he's only really lived here, uh, Juanita, I want to point this out, for about 16 years. Anyway, I lost. I was at the public hearings at High Park High School. Hundreds and hundreds of people show up. Almost all of them wanted uh, the South Side. So I lost. I, I raised the white flag of surrender. Okay, I don't get in my way. So it's the South Side. I never understood why... They had to put it in a park when there's a lot of room on the south side as well. And it's pretty obvious to me, the answer I needed, this is me speaking, that the Obamas wanted it on that site. And it's their center. And they're very popular in Chicago. So that's what we got. That's my read of why ultimately it's in the park. Your thoughts? Um, absolutely. I uh, get the sense that it was really, you know, Michelle Obama wanted to bring it home for her community and her neighborhood and, and Jackson Park offers also, you know, a view of the lake and the connectedness to the Museum of Science and Industry and the idea of this museum campus there. Um, I do personally imagine that um, the Obamas always knew it was going to be in Chicago and on the south side and the cities that took the time to put together their bid really got 
their time wasted. Um, and I think that fear that it would go somewhere else was purposely utilized to get more out of Chicago. Um, so I think there's been some unfortunate parts of this process, whereas it could have been a win-win-win rather than something steeped in a lot of emotional pain um, that really made our challenges around race and racial injustice, which is a real thing, um, even worse than it had to be. Yeah. By the way, let me just point out that Michelle Baum briefly worked for the city of Chicago's planning department under Mayor Richard M. Daly and Barack Obama uh, came of age politically uh, during the daily years. So I think the Obamas learned a thing or two from Richard M. Daly, who learned everything from Daddy Daly. So well played, Obamas. I'm just going to say, as a guy who came on the losing end of this thing, I got to tell you, this whole thing has been well played, in my humble opinion, from the PR point of view. Yeah, I mean, I guess I guess you could you could say that. I mean, for me personally, um, as someone who kind of became a, uh, an Obama supporter pretty early on uh, as a, a Puerto Rican from Humboldt Park amidst some Puerto Rican legislators who decided to stand with him when he first ran for Senate. I have a picture of myself, you know, at a, a community rally for him in Logan Square as he was running for Senate back at a time when uh, the Latinos in my life were saying we should be supporting the Latino in the race, which was Gary Chico. Um, so, you know, I personally really early on bought into Obama, had heard him speak, was really excited about him. And to this day, if I were sitting in my office, would have that little picture of myself with, you know, Obama with his arm around me. So it's been interesting, um, not that he knows who I am. Well, I, actually, I think he does now. But, you know, not that he would have remembered me from back then, but... Um, I've, I've also had a very interesting journey with a lot of folks in Hyde Park, as many of Friends of the Parks members are actually from Hyde Park, and I, I kind of roll my eyes every time someone says, oh, anybody who has any questions about the Obama Center is not from the South Side, you know, and I'm like, actually, if there's one place in Chicago where Friends of the Parks has a large membership base, it's in Hyde Park, and a big part of the pain of this issue is not out of support for Barack Obama. In fact, they love Barack Obama so much and remember when he was a neighbor and someone that they knocked on doors for early on his campaign and maybe, you know, ran on a treadmill next to Michelle at, you know, in their workout place. They don't recognize the Obama they used to know or the Obamas they used to know and the Obama that has come in and, and shepherded this process that didn't seem to take into consideration the Hyde Park that you would think they would know that would certainly have a lot of questions um, and want to be treated as real partners. Um, and I've literally looked in the eyes of, of these Hyde Park folks who just are just amazed and in literal pain over kind of feeling like they, they lost their friend um, and I keep saying, well, yeah, he was the leader of the free world for eight years. He's not your friend. You know? um, and he's not the Obama you used to know, right? So it's been an interesting journey to just to see that. Um, but the reality is, in, in my experience, going to lots of community meetings around the Obama Center, um, you know, the the different points of view about it are not broken down neatly by race and class. Um, there are folks who are white who want it there, and there are folks who are white who don't want it there, and there's folks who are black who want it there, and there's folks who are black who don't want it there. 
And there's, I, I like to say there's 11 points of view, you know, it's, yeah. it's not a binary issue. It's, um, it's a continuum, right? I think most people are really excited. It's in Chicago and it's on the South side. Um, and we, you know, we certainly are happy to celebrate the first black president of the United States. So we're very happy that it happens to be our more or less hometown guy, even though he's a Hawaii guy, as you say, um, you know, but it's, it's been fraught with a little bit more pain than I wish it had been. Um, because yeah. it should have been just super beautiful, no questions asked, and that's just not how the process went. No, come on. Shouldn't have been in a park. That's me talking. But now let me just say this. I'm the biggest phony when it comes to Barack Obama, and I'll tell you why, Juanita. I'll go on and on about how he was way too moderate for me. I'll go on and on how he sold out all the New Deal uh, values and principles that I believed in. I'll go on and on about he cozied up to Rahm Emanuel and stuck us with Rahm Emanuel. Thanks a lot for nothing, Barack Obama. And yet, every time I've seen his name <laughs> on a ballot, it's like my hand can't help itself. It's like, here I go. No, 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 no. Barack Obama. Barack Obama. I'm like, I can't help myself. All that moaning and groaning. And by the way, anybody who's surprised by this, I can tell you, I covered, the, the, this is a fight long before your time, over Promontory Point and whether they should replace the beautiful rocks along Promontory Point, which is a spit of land that goes out into Lake Michigan and Hyde Park. And uh, many of the same people who are leading the fight against the museum, excuse me, the center in Jackson Park, were those fighting Promontory Point. And Barack Obama was like, no place to be found in that one because when it came to local fights between residents and Mayor Daly, he was not getting in the middle of that one. Yeah, he was not going to stick a stick out to go fight Richard M. Daly, and it yeah. paid off for him politically, Juanita, because right. in 2007, Richard M. Daly endorsed Barack Obama when he was uh, little known and uh, helped him in Iowa. So. You know, Barack Obama knows how to play the game, and he's not about preservation, let's be honest, and uh, community rights. He's about being a mainstream politician. That's my opinion. Well, I, I another interesting piece of history is that Friends of the Parks hosted a meeting uh, many years ago, before my time, uh, wherein uh, then-community organizer Barack Obama came to the organization and said, I need your help to get some more green space on the south side, right? So it's with that history in mind that many folks associated with Friends of the Parks and other people who watched him be a real, actual um, hero on some public lands issues nationally as a president um, were so surprised that he would take up green space on the south side rather than creating more green space as part of, you know, the, the siting of, of the presidential center. Listen, I got to tell you, I mean, I, this is nothing. The, the Obama Center is nothing compared to what Mayor Daley wanted to do with the Olympics in terms of, I don't, this is, again, is before you were with Friends of the Parks. Yep. They were going to put stadiums in parks. They were going to put arenas in parks. They were going to turn the parks of Chicago into a construction zone. The president of the United States at the time was one Barack Obama. He slept him, all, flew all the way to Europe to push for that. What a Talk about destroying parkland. Thank goodness International Olympic Committee did not give that debacle. We'd still be paying that thing off 2016. Thanks a lot for nothing, Barack Obama. So uh, I'm not surprised. <laughs> he, he's more of a, in my humble opinion, a, prag, a pragmatist yes. than a preservationist, if you follow the distinction. Yep. Um, that, that sounds right to me. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, all right. So the Obama Center will probably be happening. Uh, there's other uh, political fights dealing with land, land use uh, in the city of Chicago, uh, Juanita, that you would like to talk about. So let's talk about one on the far southeast side of Chicago, the General Irons situation. Explain it to folks. What's the issue there? Go ahead. Yeah. So, you know, the southeast side, the 10th Ward tends to be zoned for a lot of industry. Um, and while you know, that is good in some ways for jobs. Um, there's been this long history of just dumping of really bad um, polluters in that area. And so, you know, most recently, General Iron, which has been located in Lincoln Park, and Lincoln Park residents have been um, complaining about for a long time because of ash and pollution and fires and explosions. Um, it's getting moved out of Lincoln Park and moved under the, under the banner of another company, RMG, um, to the southeast side, or that's how it looks. The, there have been permits issued by the city and the state. And so um, there's a bunch of local activists uh, that have been pushing hard against that. Um, and Friends of the Parks in the name of um, standing by residents on the environmental justice issues, and also because the new site is just down the street from Rowan Park, um, you know, has been very much um, supportive of that effort to say to the mayor, to say to the governor, wait a minute, there needs to be a whole new way that we look at um, equity um, around the placement of dirty industry. And there needs to be a change to cleaner, um, green, green jobs. So what do you think the outcome of this is going to be? Well, you know, right now the federal government has actually responded to a couple of lawsuits that um, were filed and is now um, saying, look, we're investigating. Um, we're serious about the, the discrimination in the zoning um, issues that were raised, and the Department of Justice has been brought in to look at that. And there was, it was recently in the news that the Illinois EPA is now being investigated by the feds um, as to whether they have um, also participated in environmental racism. So it's actually very interesting um, that it has gone that far. The the city and the state, you know, both say, well, the regulations as they exist right now make it hard for us to rule any other way. And I know for sure that the, the local advocates are really interested in some, you know, long term in some changes in the regulations that require more oversight uh, and, and taking a look at past um, problems at those businesses. Um, but and, you know, the Lightfoot administration has recently told RMG that they have to redo their permit application and address some additional issues, which I think is is a, a win in at least a step in the right direction. Um, so not quite sure how it's going to turn out, but I'm really excited about how all that um, kind of plays into what we're hearing out of the Biden administration about environmental justice and wanting to uh, think in new ways uh, about how these issues are addressed. So, so I think there's some hope there. Help me out here with uh, uh, the position of Mayor Lori Lightfoot's administration on this one, because uh, it seems so first they, they were for it. Uh, and now it seems that they're pulling back. So explain, were they originally for it and are in fact pulling back? Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, I will say, first of all, the momentum around all of this started under Mayor Emanuel. Um, but um, 
Mayor Lightfoot has basically said, well, what else were we going to do? There's nothing in the law that allows us to stop them from doing what they're doing. Um, and, you know, certainly my sense of it is that the Lightfoot administration wants the jobs. And, and that is kind of the message that is is lifted up. But the Southeast side residents that are really, you know, doing the leading the charge are saying jobs that will kill the rest of the community because of the pollution are, are is not enough of an answer. We need a better answer. Um, so um, I think the Lightfoot administration still intends to move forward on this, <laughs> but um, they're finding it harder than they thought. Mm. Yeah, uh, they're finding it harder than I thought. At one point, uh, and it's, I wish I had the clipping in, in front of me, uh, there was an article, I think it was in the Tribune, where uh, it was either a memo or an email or a letter or a court filing uh, from the uh, Life Administration, totally undercutting uh, the argument that this was uh, racially biased or unfair, mm-hmm. uh, that it was racial um, uh, pollution and um which so that was a really interesting uh, position for the city of Chicago under any mayor uh, to advance, uh, and, and uh, I sometimes it seems like momentum carries a mayor, and not just the Lori Lightfoot's administration, but uh, uh, Mayor Daley, Mayor Rahm. You know, they want a project so bad, Juanita, uh, and people put objections in front of them, and, and they just got to get rid of those objections. And so they'll make claims that they probably, I don't know, if, if they they probably, if you had them alone in a room, they wouldn't want to make, but they'll say it because they have to say it to move the project forward. What's your uh, thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I ask myself all the time, you know, is she living up to the equity claims that she said at the beginning of her administration that she wanted to advance, you know, she created a, a chief equity officer position um, in, in the mayor's office. She talks about those kinds of words all the time, but then it seems like she falls really far short of um, really organizing her work around environment, around environmental justice, around um, non-racist um approaches to things um so yeah it's it's confusing to say the least yeah a, a mixed message and i get a lot of emails just you know from folks on the southeast side are uh, urging me uh to write about or talk about this issue because just to help people out a little bit uh for for years and years and years uh general irons was on the north side of chicago along the banks of the chicago river not far from I'm doing this in my mind's eye, North Avenue division around there. And uh, that was a, a generally an industrial area, just factories, warehouses, et cetera. And so for, for years, uh, for the last 20, 30 years, the city of Chicago planning department has made it clear that eventually they wanted the best and highest use, as they say uh, in the zoning game, uh, Juanita, <laughs> move those manufacturing uh, operations out and move in residential, retail, et cetera, and so forth. And the big daddy of all this is this Lincoln Yards debacle, which is literally across the river, I want to say, from where uh, the uh, General Irons operation was. And so many people in the city of Chicago just thought, oh, 
I get it. You're just going to move General Irons of the world to the south side so that you can even <laughs> have more upscale development on the north side. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it sends a message. Uh, it does send a message, you yeah. know, uh, about uh, priorities when you move uh, heavy industry to the south side and then open up that area to uh, upscale development. It sure does. And there's been a whole conversation about um, that negative anyway, the Lincoln Yards area and the ways in which there's real equity concerns about that. And then you add General Iron being just across the way from that. There was a whole racial equity impact assessment done under the banner of Chicago United for Equity and lots of folks, you know, organizing around these questions. Um, And is it okay to do all this investment in kind of luxury types of development in uh, North side or affluent communities and, and further the parks got itself in that, mix in part because part of the idea is to add some parkland and some green space and yes we want parkland and we want green space but we also want equity (laughs) um so you know we're, we're investing in one part of the city while you know bringing jobs and investment some would say to the southeast side but it's also of note of note that there aren't any new jobs being created by this move so the folks who already have the jobs at general iron on the north side are just going to keep their jobs and drive to the southeast side so there's not actually any evidence that there will be more jobs for southeast siders out of this move right so you know, the mayor wants to keep the tax base part of it, but there's not actually new job generation for folks in that neighborhood. Yeah. And I want to point out, uh, since you mentioned tax base, uh, in order to uh, to uh, pay for the uh, Lincoln Yards TIF deal on the north side, they were removing huge chunks of land from the tax base. All the taxes for the next 23 years that paid in the, uh, on that land, or most of them, will be uh, dedicated uh, to creating this um, uh, this upscale development that could probably pay for itself. So I just want to say, if you're talking about preserving tax base, you're not doing a very good job of it. All right, uh, since we're on the Southeast side, let's uh, uh, talk a little bit about uh, what uh, the CDF uh, confined disposal facility projects uh, down there. Help us out with that one. Yeah, that's a tough one. CDF, Confined Disposal Facility, is a name for a pollution dump that is not technically a landfill, even though it's basically a landfill, but there's a law in Chicago that we can't have any more landfills. So we just call it something else. Um, So there's a pollution dump right on the lakefront at the Calumet River um, that has been there for about 30 or so years and it was supposed to be capped, closed and capped by 2022. They're running out of space to dump stuff there. And the stuff they dump in there is dredged from the bottom of the Calumet River. Um, in order for shipping to come into the Calumet River, it's not deep enough. They have to dredge the bottom to make sure that they can keep the shipping going through there, which is part of you know the economic stuff that they want to keep you know growing, hopefully. Um, so, But that dredge has all kinds of toxins toxins in it. And so it has to be stored somewhere that is quote unquote safe. Problem is we already know that this pollution dump is already leaking toxins back into our water supply, uh, PCBs, arsenic, lead, other things. Um, And now the Army Corps of Engineers, instead of closing it, which was the plan and turning it over to the park district 
to extend essentially what is Calumet Park, which is right next door. Um, they've decided to keep dumping there for another 20 years and build 25 feet higher in the air, Ooh. which we think is just ridiculous because it's right on the lakefront. And in case anyone hasn't noticed, like the revetments all along the lakefront built by the, built by the same Army Corps of Engineers that is working on this project have been falling into the lake. Right. So why would we want to build 25 feet higher of a pollution dump, one that we already know is not working right, um, and, and keep it there for another 20 or so years? Right. And the land actually already belongs to the park district. Um, and they were supposed to be kind of, you know, moving towards, OK, great, this is going to become ours. What are we going to do with this? Um, but then word has basically come down on high that we're going to cooperate with the Army Corps of Engineers. The city is going to be a cost share partner, put a bunch of millions of dollars into it um, in order to extend the life of this pollution dump. And, you know, for us, it's just yet another environmental injustice. Um, and, you know, per NEPA policy, National Environmental Policy Act, the Army Corps of Engineers really should have looked at other sites to relocate it to, which they did look at other sites. But guess what? They did not look at any sites that were not in what? The 10th Ward Environmental Justice Community. It's not like they looked further down the river, other places that are not an environmental justice community where they could consider an appropriate site. Wow, so the, it, it's a story that uh, never ends. And I was just sort of close up this part of the conversation by, um, uh, I would like to point out that, that young Barack Obama, uh, when he got his start, uh, was organizing in, in this sort of general uh, neck of the woods on the far southeast side, uh, public housing uh, area. And uh, one of the issues that they organized had to do with environmental racism and the uh, concentration of dumps there and all the, the heavy pollution that was uh, uh, in that neck of the wood. And, and uh, this is sort of like a coming of age issue for people, uh, young activists and young reporters. When I first moved to Chicago in 81, right before Obama moved here, uh, I remember doing stories about all the dumps uh, on the southeast side and uh, the smell at night. And there would be activists, many of them were still uh, active to this day, would be calling me up. You got to come down here. You got to smell this. You got to see it. Uh, here we are. Uh, what is it, 40 years later, and this fight is still going on. That's right. And guess what? We're in the middle of COVID, and it has been identified that air pollution makes it worse. You know, so we've got these rates, these communities with high rates of COVID. And guess what? They overlap with communities where we've got all this air pollution problems going on, right? You know, not to mention over in Little Village, we're imploding, you know, the Hilco plant over there and throwing dust all over the community. And, you know, we're just not being thoughtful about the long-term impacts of uh, this environmental racism on these communities. Or, or we are being thoughtful and we don't care because we're brown and black people. So, you know, it's, it's time. 2020, we heard that, you know, if we hadn't heard it loud enough, for enough years, you know, it's it's really time to address these issues and to really find new ways of doing these things.
All right, we're going to close it down by broadening the conversation a little bit uh, to national politics. Uh, generally, when Juanita's on, uh, she comes on with the great Lori Glenn, and uh, we talk national politics, local politics, very political, heavy conversation. We're going to bring in the dynamic duo of uh, Juanita and Lori uh, in a couple of weeks, do more of a uh, deep dive on um, national politics. But I had to share this with you. This story is sort of breaking and developing uh, as the day progresses. Uh, progresses. AOC, everybody knows I'm a big fan of conversation woman, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. She's under assault right now from the far right. Uh, We're trying to divert attention away from the insurrection, uh, the siege of the Capitol by MAGA-crazed cultists who love Donnie Trump a little too much. And uh, so now they're trying to uh, put her uh, AOC uh, under fire for allegedly uh, making up what her experiences were during uh, the siege. I think it's a pretty low blow uh, by the right. Instead of just looking in the mirror at themselves and the role they had in this very real, very scary insurrection and trying to figure out what we can do to uh, improve things so that our party isn't dominated by a bunch of wackos. Instead, they're trying to turn the wackos toward uh, AOC. I think it's particularly despicable uh, move on the far right's part. And I'm just curious what you, Juanita, uh, have to think about all this. Yeah, I mean, first of all, just, you know, the whole January 6th uh, insurrection thing, you know, is mind-blowing um, that, that we came to that point. Um, you know, on one hand, it's not surprising to me at all, you know, the, the rhetoric that we've been hearing. Um, and I had even had some fights with some folks who thought those of us who were saying, this is a thing we need to be concerned. Something might happen, you know, said we were ridiculous, but it happened. Right. And, and, and so anybody who was an elected, who was in, you know, this Capitol building that day would have been scared. You would think, (laughs) you know, like, how do you know what's going to happen? And, and then add that, your name has been specifically noted as someone who should be assassinated. Um, you know, that that adds another layer of they may very well be specifically coming after me, right? And, and while there are certainly other people who, um, you know, say things, something like what Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez says, she has clearly been kind of singled out as the target, um, you know, to to attack, to blame, to um, in so many ways, you know, be the lightning rod uh, uh, around a lot of issues. And so um, what I think is abhorrent is the folks saying that she's making this all about her. You know, um, and, you know, leave it to AOC to make, you know, that that day about about her. Well, first of all, I've read other folks who were in the Capitol building make it about themselves. I mean, not make it about themselves, but share their experience. Right. This is not just AOC saying that this is terrifying and I thought it would die, <laughs> you know. Um, but of course, as a, a brown person, a Latina, a younger member of Congress, you know, folks find extra reasons to kind of dump it all on her and have her kind of carry the weight, right? But um, she's, you know, I I admire um, AOC a lot, you know, as we were saying earlier, you know, she's a 
uh, a Puerto Rican from the Bronx. Personally, I'm a Puerto Rican from Humble Park who, as I, I say, you know, I want to grow up and be like her, although I'm quite a bit older than she. Um, you know, meanwhile, we've got these outer space nuts on the right who are saying crazy things and wearing crazy masks every day and trying to show up with guns. You know, I mean, seriously, people, yeah. you know, we, we have a real problem here. I think that's well put, and we'll leave it at there. Uh, the false equivalency trying to compare AOC to the wackos uh, who stormed uh, the Capitol. Uh, Juanita, before I let you go, if folks want to learn more about Friends of the Park, they want to get your newsletter, they want to get information from you, what should they do? Yep. I mean, easy way, go to our Facebook page, Friends of the Parks, or our website, FOTP.org. Um, and um, give us, shoot us a little note, get on our mailing list. Um, and uh, yeah, love to love to keep talking about stuff. All right. Very good. Uh, Juanita, thank you very much uh, for being on the show. I appreciate it. And we'll probably have you on in no time with uh, Lori Glenn taking a deeper dive on politics. It's fun. That, that's a fun dynamic between uh, Lori and Juanita. They agree on about 90% of things, but you know, every now and then they have a little disagreement. It's just all good. Uh, good fun. So uh, Juanita, thank you so much. Stay yep. safe and sound. That's Juanita Irizarry. I'm Ben Jarofsky. Take care, everybody. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.